Well, after the softest non-conference schedule in Michigan football history, the real season begins with Big Ten play. Are the Wolverines ready? Let's discuss next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Cook. Waits for it. Hit. Cook. Hey, 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 Brady gets terrific. Closing and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler to five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. season is over. You and I know. It's going to be Michigan again. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Are the Wolverines ready to defend their crown? Doesn't it feel good to say defending Big Ten champions around here yet again? Indeed it does, but now the gauntlet begins. There are five things that we've learned about these Wolverines, even in a soft non-conference, and I mean capital S-O-F-T, soft non-conference slate. We'll get to those in a minute, but first a word about our title sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. Just pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times any of your entries. It's just you versus the projected numbers, and it's just about any stat you can imagine when it comes to this football season. This football season, I'm going to be making my own picks for Prize Picks each and every week here on the show, and so far this season, I'm 5-3 and with those picks. My two picks this week, I'm going to go under under 135 and a half rushing yards for Chase Brown. He's an outstanding running back for Illinois, but they're playing a scrub this week with the Big Ten gauntlet up ahead. I don't think they're going to put a lot of tread on those tires, and they got other running backs there too. And I don't trust Bo Nix to play that well two weeks in a row. That was a video game against BYU last week. I'm going Bo Nix under 230.5 passing yards for Auburn against Washington State. So Bo Nix under 230 and a half. Chase Brown under 135 and a half. That's just 
That's as easy as it gets right there with Prize Picks, an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. Uh, it is the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and of course, Michigan. So download the Prize Picks app today. On the App Store or Google Play, use the promo code Michigan when you sign up and you'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Use the promo code Michigan when you sign up for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks when you download the Prize Picks app today from either the App Store or Google Play. So back to these Wolverines. And what can you learn when your third, fourth, and fifth stringers are moving the football against your opponent. What can you learn in a game when you played eight quarterbacks? I don't know that that's ever happened in college football history. Seven different quarterbacks attempted a pass. I don't know that that's ever happened before in college football history. Well, I think there are five things that we have learned about this Michigan football team as we now head in to Big Ten play up against Maryland on Saturday. Uh, Number five. There was absolutely no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever from just the front four that I saw. And that has got to change. And the good news is, from this point forward, it can only improve. And I know some people want to say, well, you know, Hawaii, UConn, they're doing these three-step three three drops, getting rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I, I agree. But listen, if they were happy with the rush of the front four, they wouldn't have blitzed over 40% of the time against friggin' UConn, and we did this last week. They're not happy with it. It's not good enough. I mean, it doesn't have to be David Ojabo or Aiden Hutchinson, for goodness sakes, but it's got to be a lot better than it has been thus far. To me, that's the biggest concern, if there is a singular concern, because the team has looked, uh, like Zach Shaw at 24-7 Sports uh, wrote this week, machine-like. If there is a concern, that is it, which is why I let off with that. All right, next. I think that uh, the highly touted offensive line so far has under underperformed, if we're being honest. And when I say underperformed, by the way, I'm talking from Joe Moore Award to like B+. Plus. I mean, they're still really good. But I think a lot of this has been because of holding players out with injury precautions against weaker foes. Uh, you think of Trevor Keegan, we were told, would have gone back in if it was a more important game last week. Instead, he got a little dinged. He set out. Uh, Carson Barnhart has not played yet, as another example. All right, so you wonder, though, moving forward, will that lineup shuffling around hurt with unit cohesion later in the season. That is something to watch for an offensive line that we rightfully had huge expectations for heading into the season, was rated the number one offensive line unit in the country by Phil Steele. Third, the overall depth on this team is the best at Michigan in many years. I mean, you're bringing Alex Orgy off the bench as your fifth-string quarterback maybe. He's 6'3", 235, man. And I mean, I mean, he, he looks... If I had told you that kid would have been in the program for two years watching him run that football with that body type, you would have believed it. He's the fifth string... Well, maybe fourth string now with Cade McNamara's injury, but the level of depth here. Uh, I mean, Michigan played over 80 players against Colorado State, over 100 players the last two weeks. Uh, the amount of players that have gotten carries that have caught footballs... I mean, the, this is, the depth here is insane. I mean, Andrew Anthony might be the overall most physically gifted receiver in this program. He's got one catch so far this year. So he's got one more than all of you watching and listening to me right now. I mean, the depth on this team pretty much across the board is filthy. Second on the list, 
the level of discipline and culture are strong. Michigan leads the nation in fewest penalties per game, which shows no lack of focus against lackluster teams or even when we empty the bench and guys way down the depth chart come into the game. Go back to what I said a minute ago. Michigan played over 80 guys against Colorado State, played over 100 guys the last two weeks. These are players not used to playing. These are guys not used to holding their water waiting for the snap or for a, 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 you know, a, a fake snap. These are guys not used to playing these many snaps. And yet, that level of focus and discipline has been resolute throughout the entire roster. That, to me stands out more than anything about this non-conference schedule. If you're looking for something that you're like, what can I glean from this? We're just playing a bunch of teams who have like nobody that would start for us. What can I glean from this moving forward that I think is translatable? That is it. If you're not suffering lack of focus and sloppy play against scrubs, or or as Anthony Broom at the Wolverine calls them, traffic cones, if you're maintaining that level of intensity and focus that you're playing them like you would anybody who actually has a pulse, that bodes well for the rest of the schedule. Which brings us to number one, and this is an obvious one, but J.J. McCarthy's playmaking ability and the fact that you have to respect it, even if Michigan isn't featuring it during the play calling at that time, raises the ceiling of this team and program. On any particular down. I mean, you can see it in the pass rush. I mean, we saw Kate McNamara get knocked out maybe for the season. Who knows if when and if he'll be back. But we saw him get knocked out getting the same pass pro from the same offensive line as J.J. But there's a difference. And Devin Gardner pointed this out on WTKA earlier this week. There's a difference when you know the quarterback is no threat to embarrass you or break your ankles back there if you get aggressive on the rush. There's a level of difference in how you'll attack him defensively compared to the guy that you know if you get outside your lanes, if you overcommit, he's going to dust you. There is no such fear of that where Kate is concerned. There is a consistent, a persistent state of that fear with J.J. McCarthy back there. And that that's just one example of how that raises the overall ceiling for this team and also widens the margin for error of his teammates as well. Well, let's get another viewpoint of all these things. Our good friend and perhaps the world's one and only reasonable Bucknut. Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. He will join us here next. Yes, folks, uh, we get asked a lot, hey, what can we do to support what you're doing here at Michigan Podcast? We can always like, rate, subscribe, share the content, but you can also uh, share uh, with us by supporting us on our Patreon page. There you can see we've had an outstanding season so far uh, with Major League Baseball picks uh, all year long. We've got win totals posted uh, for college football for every college football team uh, already posted, uh, what, two months ago now, my season win total best bets for the season as well. With the season nigh, you'll be getting weekly picks and more for both college and pro football. We'll finish baseball strong. You don't want to miss it. College basketball is only about 100 days away. Just five bucks a month if you want to support us to get all this great exclusive content on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. That's Patreon. Dot com slash Michigan podcast. And as all as always, we want to thank the hundreds of you that are already supporting us there at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast.
And we're back here with the 10-minute war. And that, of course, harkens back to the great 10-year war with Woody and Bo. Mark Rogers is here with us, the voice of college football, also a reasonable bucknut. That's right, there is one. At least we found one. Uh, he also has a fantastic, nice wave. He also has a fantastic channel if you're a college football fan right here on YouTube, the voice of college football, stringers and correspondents on virtually and from virtually every major program in the country. And, of course, we get a few minutes with him each week here on Michigan Podcast. Gas as well. Mark, how are you? Steve, I'm doing just fine. Ohio State fans don't find me too reasonable at this point. I've got uh, the Buckeyes ranked number 13 in the country. Oh, because of your uh, wipe the slate clean and it's just based on the merit of your resume up until this point? Yes, Michigan number 26. I'll, I, 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 I can't blame anybody for almost anything they have ranked nowadays because we don't know a lot about these teams. Now, I, I do think there's five things that I know based on watching every snap at least one, one time, some of them multiple, but watching every snap at least one time so far uh, of these three games uh, while admitting it is the absolute worst non-conference schedule in Michigan football history. Uh, I sat through all these plays. I have watched every last one of them, and at least once, some of them multiple times. Yes. All right. So with that said, I laid out my list of things that uh, we have learned, uh, concerns and cautions, but also things that I am uh, excited about uh, as well, about what projects. And and really, I'm looking at what projects forward, right? I'm not necessarily looking at anything else other than what how I think that translates to the, the real schedule that begins this week with Big Ten play with Maryland coming to town. I know you've had a chance to take a look at that list and look it over. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are I came up with some of my own questions for this team. Oh, even and, better. Yeah. And, and observations as well. Uh, but before we grind it down to Michigan, just quickly, quickly about the schedule would be just – can, can we, this, this is not a knock against Michigan. I know what happened with the UCLA series. This is more about just the state of college football. And I would just love it if we could get to a point in conjunction with the expanded playoff where we could take the scheduling out of the program's hands and we could hand it to a formula schedule slash committee that would craft it. You know, you, you build a formula and then you have the committee kind of tweak it a little bit if needed. But that's just a take that I have. I wish let the TV networks do it. We're letting them do everything else. We're letting them determine how many teams are in the playoff. We're letting them determine what conference you're in, how many games you play, what time you play your games, right? Why don't we just let them take over the scheduling at this point as well? And, and in fact, let's just do this. We're going to – when UCLA and USC come in, we're going to a 10-game schedule, all right? We're going to a four-pod system. You'll play everybody in your pod, okay? And then there'll be a rotation uh, outside of that pod, That'll be, you know, one year you play this pod, the other year you play this pod. Or you see what I'm saying? Like they do yep. in the NFL. Um, we'll have then the, the the teams with the four best records in the four pods. They'll play a semifinal weekend. That'll be in Indianapolis. OK, and then and then and, and we're going to be paying the players by then anyway. So you can afford to play more of a full schedule and and not get yelled at by your former employers over there at ESPN in the with the uh, with the virtue signals for the victims of America, known as America's spoiled college football players. All that being said, they do deserve to be paid, given the amount of money that these schools are making now. That's just capitalistic merit. But they're not victims and refugees. And, um, you know, uh, they're, they're not taken advantage of, OK, by any oppressive regime. 
they just are worth a lot more on a market than what they are currently getting paid and should be acknowledged for that. But you play your you play your semifinals in Indianapolis, so you still have that tie-in. And you go out to the Rose Bowl and play the championship game every year, right? And just and then you get two non-conference games. The schools are allowed to do one scrub, right? Guaranteed home game. Like Michigan can play Eastern Michigan. Y'all can play Toledo and somebody in-state, Ohio U, right? Everybody gets one scrub. You know, that's like almost a preseason game. Maybe that's even week one, frankly. All right. And then week two, the networks then determine that who your what a what a what your power five non-conference schedule is, or they give you options, right? And then we're off. Why don't we just do that? We were locked step together, Steve, until you get to the end with the uh, the television networks because I posted a video with the four pods and I thought it worked out extremely well in the semifinals and the championship game. Yeah, I can't wait. USC, UCLA, come on in. Let's uh, rework it. Let's get. I want to see. I know we're diverting, but quickly, Oklahoma and Texas. I don't want to see a smooth transition to the SEC. I would love to see. BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF come into the Big 12, have to mix it up with Oklahoma and Texas for one season. I think, you're, right. gonna, I think you're gonna get that for one year. For one year. I would love that. The Big love 12 that. is going to is going to they are going to ring every nickel out of Oklahoma and Texas on the way out the door they possibly can, man. I love when things get dirty and awkward and don't work exactly right. We get <laughs> mismatches of, of conferences that don't want their team, these teams to still be here and teams that don't want to be there. And then they got to play the new teams, right. the new kids on the block, and you get matchups that we're not going to see otherwise. Great stuff. Would love to see it for at least one year. When it comes to Michigan, okay, I'm going to start with Cade McNamara. I don't think this is going to be an issue. He seems to be mature. He seems to be a team-oriented player, but man, I didn't give myself much thought to, to, to scan college football over the last 10, 15, 20 years, whenever to, to run across a situation like this, where there's been a player at the quarterback position, lead the team to a conference championship, a playoff appearance, and in the old days, major bowl game, whatever, that there's been a situation like this and then benched and he's clearly the number two the next season. So just, he may be needed at some point. He just may be needed. Just look out for that. And and he didn't play well. I don't know that we can really gain much from that, but he didn't play as well in those two games that he played, game and a half, whatever, than he played last season for the most part. So just something to look out for there. Uh, your number two running back. Donovan Edwards has been banged up. I don't know what his status is going forward, but I see that C.J. Stokes was the guy, not a highly recruited back, a highly ranked player coming out of South Carolina, but he got the bulk of the carries um, in relief of Blake Horham. But you need two backs at least. Uh, just interesting there if they have that second guy, if a Donovan Edwards in particular uh, is, is or Blake Horham. Uh, we don't want anything to happen to him, but if it does, who would be that second guy that's coming up from the rest of the ranks of the running back room? All right, let me address the first two. If you could, we could sure. do this, so I don't think I think it's possible you, that Cade won't play again the rest of the year, based on what I understand of the nature of his injury. Um, I think at least you're looking well into October before you see him again, from what I understand. So um, I, I think whatever, if ever. And this isn't even the same as Kelly Bryan and Trevor Lawrence because he transferred right away in order to take a red shirt, right? So he transferred to Missouri like the next week. And remember that became a very bitter thing with Dabo where he wouldn't give him a national championship ring and all that kind of stuff. Well, 
it, it's it's fully J.J. McCarthy's team now. I mean, you won't even have Cade McNamara uh, in, in a helmet on the sidelines, um, at least for the next several weeks. So I think that settles that matter. Um, on the Donovan Edwards front, my understanding is that if we were playing someone who mattered, you would have seen him play this weekend. But that was largely uh, a bit of an ankle, largely a precautionary thing given the nature of the opponent. So my thought process on the running back is not necessarily that there's anything serious uh, concerning Donovan Edwards, but if he or Quorum go down, have we seen enough out of maybe a C.J. Stokes or another running back that we oh sure yeah, yeah. be comfortable with a, a second back coming from the rest of the running back room, uh, and then with McNamara, okay, then it then it uh, may be Alan Bowman who might be needed. So I'm talking about J.J. goes down for a game against a key opponent. Sure. You know, who that who that next guy is. And so that goes to Alan Bowman. He obviously showed us something at Texas Tech to a certain degree, but nowhere near uh, Michigan's starting quarterback status. Um, it's always a new year, new team, as coaches like to tell us, uh, despite the carryover. So the team's not been challenged. When they finally get a punch in the mouth, maybe that comes from Talia Tungavailoa this week, maybe those receivers, that offense, or it comes against uh, Iowa the next week on the other side of the ball, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, just the response of the team uh, against adversity. It's It seems as though because of the culture flip, and I know that you addressed that in your five points, that wouldn't seem to be an issue. But again, new year, new team. How do they respond to adversity when they finally see it in week whatever week that's going to be. I think that I know, but I think that's an excellent point. Remember last year's team had a lot of preseason adversity, but Mark, it didn't trail in a game until at Nebraska. And then that didn't happen until like late in the fourth quarter. And correct me if I'm wrong. Was that, and then against Penn state early in the first quarter, those are the yeah. only two times Michigan. I think only, I think only Georgia trailed, trailed less last season than Michigan did. Okay. Uh, in all of college football. So last year's team didn't have to do much of that either. So, yeah, that will be very interesting. I mean, if you know, this is a very plausible scenario, all right? J.J. comes out, sees a look he's not used to seeing, uh, misreads it, throws into coverage. Next play, Maryland uh, hits one of those outstanding receivers in space. He makes one guy miss, takes it to the house. It's seven to nothing, Right. That's a very plausible scenario to how this starts on Saturday. Very plausible. And how does Michigan react to that? Because it's also not a scenario they faced very often last year either. Really the only game all season where someone came out with a sense of urgency and punched them in the mouth from the start was Penn State. They were up 13 to nothing uh, in late in the first half against Nebraska. Nebraska just made its run in the second half. So even though there are a lot of guys on last year's team – they didn't really have to face that very often a year ago either. So it'll be very interesting to see if and when that should happen. And might have been worse than 13 to nothing if James Franklin would not have uh, trusted his field goal kicker to be able to run like 12 yards against a, <laughs> Correct. a stack of yes. uh, yeah. Michigan special teams. But uh, that's James Franklin. Uh, I, I do have one question concerning your top five, and it, re it uh, concerns the pass rush. Mm -hmm. So are you concerned when you said the 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 – just sending four didn't typically get to the quarterback against these three opponents. So are you basing that on the last two games? The, the, the week one, uh, I didn't yeah, break down the, the, the week film. one, the week one, we clearly wanted to put some things on tape 
uh, with with new players and try. I told you all along that we were going to actually have to run more of the Ravens defense this year. McDonald didn't have to do a lot of that last year. All right, they they intended, they started to do it, and then they realized when, especially when Ojabo started to come on, why? Let's not, you know, let's keep it pretty simple here. We, don't, we just we got two first round draft picks coming off the edge. Let's you know make teams try to find open spaces throwing against you know coverage with those guys getting pressure up front. This year they were always going to have to run more of the Ravens defense. You saw some of that in the first game. Uh, the second game they did almost none of it against Hawaii. And word is they actually had a gentleman's agreement with Timmy Chang, the coach, that by halftime they would we'd have emptied the bench to not get them essentially, you know, uh, slaughtered, not commit a felony out there, okay? In this game, they went to more of their Ravens defense. We actually blitzed about 40% of pass plays. I'm t- but there were several plays where well into the second half and we still had starters in there that we tried to just rush four. Now, Connecticut is out there. There's three-step drops, and there's like one-and-a-half-step drops. Like, I mean, literally, like, throw the ball as soon as you get the shotgun snap, okay? And so unless you've got, uh, you know, Miles Garrett or Chase Young coming off the edge, kind of hard to pressure a three-step drop, right? But, But still, you would have figured at some point, given the physical advantage, one of these guys would have blown up a cover, would have blown up a pass pro, right? One of these guys would have caught a guy taking a false step or a bad angle or taking too wide of a stance and blown up a play and wrecked it. Never saw that the entire time. And then my last point, uh, kind of uh, off of some of your points, would be it, it always intrigues me when there's a collection of skilled players at one position. Uh, there was another team this this year in the last few weeks that I was really looking at the running back room. Actually, it was Oklahoma after um, – Eric Gray, their starting running back, and you know how those guys are going to get get utilized. You know who gets who gets trusted in pass protection. Who is a really good outlet receiver? Who actually has plays? He's a good enough receiver out of the backfield to actually have plays designed for him mm-hmm. as a receiver. Those sorts of things. Who do they run between the tackles? Who do they get a little bit more exotic with? That that sort of thing. For Michigan, it's the wide receiver room. You know who fills the slot who's the the hunter renfro type who's the deep guy who's the and we see ronnie bell getting most of the targets and the receptions and the productivity so how how do you see the wide receiver room looking i think you're going to see more of aj henning in the debo samuel role and i think that's also going to be more and more of an rb2 or an rb3 uh with the intent now that you can put him interchangeably on the field with uh, either Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum in the backfield. And when they run that jet sweep motion, you don't know whether that guy is getting the ball or not, whether the running back's getting the ball or not. Then you throw in a mobile quarterback on top of that where you could fake both of those actions and then just have him run. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of those packages with A.J. Henning. Uh, and you saw a little bit of that this past week against UConn. Uh, and then I think I think that... Ronnie Bell was always better in the slot. He had to move to the outside in 2019 when Donovan Peoples-Jones and those guys moved on in 2018. But he's always done his best work in the slot, and you are, and, and so I think you're going to see him continue to operate there underneath. And if you look at their passing attack, it's been what I like about it is it's been pretty. You know, we'll, hey, you guys keep backing off. These teams are really backing off, knowing the amount of athleticism and speed we have out there. So then. We're just throwing these bubble screens 
and just out leveraging guys on the outside, getting one or two blocks and blowing them up for huge plays. I mean, you've watched this for years with Ohio State football, really since Urban Meyer came in, right? This approach. Fine, you guys want to back off, then we'll just run these bubble screens with these outstanding recruits and and beat you that way. And so you decide what you want to do, right? And so um, I, I, I love where the offense is at. Um, I, I, I think... I think they've put a lot of necessary things on film on purpose, even little things. Like it's pretty clear they want this freshman quarterback who's 6'3", 230, Alex Orgy to kind of be like a goal line package. They had him throw the ball out of that package this past week. They I, I just they did that just to put it on package for folks like y'all. So that they learned their lesson from Jabril Peppers in 2016. Everybody knew he was never throwing it, never handing it off. You put that stuff on film now because now you got to respect that he might actually do it, right? So I, I like where things are trending offensively. Defensively, I am concerned about the lack of pressure with a front four. Now, there's only a couple of teams on the schedule this year that I think can take advantage of that, right? One of them, we just happen to be playing right away this weekend. And it's a pretty big step up in talent from what we've played the last three weeks to Maryland. I mean, I don't think Maryland's a top 15 team or anything of that nature. I certainly think they're a top 35, top 40 team. And so stepping up from there to this, that's a pretty big step up. So I will be fascinated to see how this game begins on Saturday. You took me back to so many uh, Saturday afternoons watching the Buckeyes games under Urban Meyer with my son who hated the way he ran an offense, hated the bubble screens, just hated the way he ran an offense and the mannerisms on the side lines like he was going to have a stroke every other play. <laughs> so anyway, that that aside, uh, my last comment is just that, yes, Michigan played nobody, but there was not a 31-14 game right. in the, the third. They went out and they were into your points about the penalties. That to me is the most impressive thing about the entire non-conference season. Mark, Mark, we played over a hundred guys the last two weeks. We had seven different quarterbacks throw the ball. Eight, eight, take a snap. Eight different quarterbacks take a snap. We're not seeing false starts. You know what I'm saying? Miss, we're not misaligning formationally. When, when that level of discipline is that ingrained into your depth chart, you're not coming out realizing, going through the motions, we can skunk these guys just by having a heartbeat. That, to me, is the absolute most exciting and important thing that I saw the last three weeks was that level of discipline. It is a great point. It is a great point. Well taken. Yep. All right, good stuff, man. Hopefully we ranked higher than 26 in your poll next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Maryland's ahead of you. Well, hey, they've played a tougher schedule. All right, man. I'll yeah. see you later. Thank you. All right, Steve. This week's Twitter poll results. What one word best describes Michigan's season after the non-conference? 46.9% of you said unknown. 39.6% of you said JJ. 13.5% of you said dominant. So still a lot of people that think that M stands for Missouri, not Michigan. And you got to show me, even for the defending reigning Big Ten champions. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Comes from Pistons GM on Twitter. Not the actual GM, Troy Weaver, just in case you were wondering. Although it'd be pretty cool if it was. How can we know anything when we haven't faced anybody? Well, there's some things you could definitely know. I think there's at least five of them you could know, right? I mean, it's pretty clear that if you can struggle to get pressure with four against UConn and Hawaii, then you've got to improve that to play passing attacks like Maryland. 
Likewise, I think it's if you can hold your water and keep your focus against teams that you have every incentive to lose your focus and get sloppy against because you just are that aware you're that much better than them, then that that speaks well for how you'll handle situations in the future when you know that discipline is key against teams that can physically match up with you. So I think there are some things you can know for sure, right? But we don't know. We, we don't know how J.J. McCarthy will handle overcoming an early mistake. We don't know that. And I think something to keep in mind, again, is what I said to Mark Rogers just a few minutes ago. Last year's Michigan team didn't have to do that very much either. From the jump, Michigan came out and jumped people. Michigan did not trail until the late fourth quarter against Nebraska in a game that it once led 13 to nothing. It didn't trail again until at Penn State, and then that was the first time they had actually trailed early in the game. Only Georgia last year spent less time trailing in a college football game all season long than Michigan did. So even last year's team didn't necessarily have to get off the mat too often after taking an early punch, right? So it's going to be fascinating to see how this year's team handles that. Should it happen right away this weekend? And I think there's a realistic chance of that. We'll see. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review, however uh, you watch or listen, wherever you listen or watch, whether it's here on iTunes or Stitcher or you're watching right here on YouTube. Please help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. You can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast for our thoughts on things before we see you again right here on Michigan Podcast. Until then, I'm Steve Dace and go blue.